Our second scripture reading picks up with the story in John's Gospel, John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, also at page 88 in the New Testament section of your Pew Bibles. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Some things are just true. The earth is round, not flat. If you want to lose weight, you have to exercise more and eat less. Sorry. Smoking cigarettes is bad for you. There are other things that we think are true, but they're not. Napoleon wasn't short. He was probably a little taller than the average Frenchman of his day. It's not actually harmful to pick up baby birds and return them to their nests. It will not cause their mother to reject them. Apparently, we believe these things that aren't true because of a powerful shortcut our brains use every day. If information is easier to process, we think it's true. Cognitive scientists call this processing fluency, and it's why we carry around more flawed ideas than we'd like to think we do. So here it is, Easter Sunday. We're plagued with this mental trick of processing fluency. It's the era of fake news. And on top of that, it's April Fool's Day today. (laughs) And our Bible passage this morning presses us to believe the unbelievable, to accept what is impossible to confirm. Some of you are here this morning because you already believe. Others are here in spite of questions, doubts, or skepticism. What I want to share with you this morning is that either way, there is good reason to celebrate. Believing is an important theme throughout John's Gospel. But John didn't mean what we we usually mean when we say we believe something. The Greek word for believe might be better translated as trust. Again and again in John's Gospel, when Jesus says believe, he means rely on, trust in, live as though your life depends on it. 
Presbyterian author Frederick Beekner captures the difference by distinguishing between believing in and believing. Believing in God is an intellectual position, writes Beekner. It needs have no more effect on your life than believing in Freud's method of interpreting dreams or the theory that Sir Francis Bacon wrote Romeo and Juliet. Believing God is something else again. It is less a position than a journey, less a realization than a relationship. It doesn't leave you cold, like believing that the world is round. It stirs your blood, like believing the world is a miracle. It affects who you are and what you do with your life, like believing your house is on fire or somebody loves you. It affects who you are and what you do with your life, like believing your house is on fire or somebody loves you. So when Jesus says, believe in me, he's not asking whether you can recite the Apostles' Creed without crossing your fingers. He's asking whether you will trust that God so loves the whole world that more than anything, God wants us to love each other the way God loves us. He's asking whether you will trust that not even death can stop God's love so that you never again need to fear death, which means that you never again need to fear the forces of death, whether that means Caesar or greed or hatred or oppression or domination or any of the other ways people try to deny life and freedom and justice to God's beloved people. He's asking whether it affects who you are and what you do with your life. In John's story of Easter morning, we see that not everyone takes the same path to this kind of believing. Peter entered the tomb and saw everything and yet nothing. The beloved disciples saw the empty tomb and believed, even though he did not yet understand the scriptures. Mary believes only when Jesus speaks her name. So some respond to words, others to evidence, still others to relationship. This morning, in keeping with our theme throughout Lent, I'll offer another path, which is something of a hybrid of these. It's a path that anyone can try, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of believing. It is the path of practice, practicing resurrection. As the beloved priest and author Henry Nouwen put it, you don't think your way into a new kind of living you live your way into a new kind of thinking. Do you want to see the power of death-defying love? Practice it. How do we practice? How do we practice resurrection? It's hard to come up with a precise recipe, but to quote Justice Potter Stewart, I know it when I see it. I see it when the National Geographic magazine figures out that for decades their coverage of people and cultures has been racist and that in order to rise above their past, they need to acknowledge that with a race issue that explores how race defines, separates, and unites us. I see it when high school students and hundreds of thousands of their allies say enough is enough to gun violence, and I see it 
when people of color lift up the truth that gun violence was a part of the landscape of being black or brown in America long before it became an issue in predominantly white schools. I see it when kids in our own neighborhood, elementary school kids who have nothing to do with the church, clamor to volunteer for a rotating winter shelter and then make friends with the guests, the men who are experiencing homelessness. I see it in the earnest hope of the movie A Wrinkle in Time inviting us all to be warriors to serve the good in the universe. I see it when a Massachusetts judge rules that protesters who tried to stop a gas pipeline aren't guilty because their actions in trying to stop climate change were a legal necessity. I see it when the movie 13th, Connecting Mass Incarceration with Slavery, is nominated for an Oscar. And I see it in the efforts to feed the hungry, provide clean water and medical care, and offer sanctuary. I see it when day after day, people care lovingly for an aged parent, a sick spouse, or a teenager who believes she really does know more about life than her parents. <laughs> I see it wherever people take Jesus at his word when he said, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me, who trusts me, will also do the works that I do, in fact, will do greater works than these. I see it wherever people partner with God in transforming despair into hope, apathy into compassion, hate into love, and death into new life. When Mary first saw Jesus, Jesus warned her, Do not hold on to me. He's saying it's no longer just about him. It's no longer, it's no longer about their former teacher and friend. Now it's about all of them, because they know they know now that death does not have the final word in the human story. Not only can the disciples face opposition, scorn, and even death with confidence, they can offer to others the truth and the fellowship that they have been given. And they have to do so to be faithful to what they've experienced. My friends, that is the experience of practicing resurrection. You may not be able to say this morning, as Mary said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, but you can practice resurrection. You can be part of something inexplicable, but nonetheless true. You can be part of something that gives a superabundance of meaning to life and that erases the fear of death, something that has to be shared. You can be part of something that changes the world. That is worth celebrating and worth practicing. May it be so for you and for me. Amen and hallelujah.